Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman. Thank you so much for joining us. This week, we have a special treat for you. It is a crossover episode, meaning Michelle and I were guests on another podcast called Voice of Reason. And so this week, we are airing that hour-long program in its entirety as we all discussed the latest dust-up about women's roles as teachers. Who are we allowed to teach anyway? And are there restrictions on what we can teach? Yeah, Amy, our our listeners might think that we're discussing this because of the feminist or egalitarian poison that's seeping into the church. And while that is a clear and present danger, it's equally dangerous when the pendulum swings way too far in the other direction. And so yes. that's kind of the direction we're going tonight. So on one side of the road, we've got this ditch of women teaching and having authority over men in the church. They deliver the sermons on Sunday mornings. They're becoming ordained pastors or pastrixes, as we like to call them sometimes, and and they're in leadership positions over men. That's right. And sitting in the ditch on the other side of the narrow road is a carcass of a different kind of false teaching. Or at the very least, it's a misunderstanding of Scripture that has been twisted beyond what the text actually says. It's a wave of legalism that seems to be gaining momentum, especially in Reformed circles. And it tells us that women are not to be teaching other women or anything about holiness or or doctrine, and that any woman teaching another woman's Scripture, whether it's one-on-one over coffee, in a women's Bible study, or at a woman's conference, is being disobedient to God. God and in danger of becoming a feminist herself. That's right. So let's get right to the podcast. The hosts of Voice of Reason are two brothers that we can highly recommend. Their names are Chris Honholz and Richard Story. And the link to their podcast is in our show notes. So go ahead and subscribe if you like what you hear. Take a listen. Well, welcome. Good evening. Good morning. Good uh, whatever time of day it is. Uh, welcome to well, this is a two parter really, but this is Voice of Reason Radio. But it's also a word fitly spoken. This is our big surprise to you. We wanted to let you guys know we are having a uh, a wonderful time with two of our our very good friends, Amy Spreeman and Michelle Leslie. But before we get started, guys, there's one thing we got to do. Are you ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday day to you. Happy birthday, dear Michelle. Happy birthday day to you. Wow, we would fail as a barbershop quartet. Can I just say, as a church musician and a minister of music's wife, y'all need some help. We had no but time to rehearse. Thank you so much. We are recording on my birthday, but by the time it drops, I will be many, many 
many days older than. <laughs> <should it be>. so. <laughs> we absolutely just could not let that one pass. And if, and if anybody has to be blamed, that was my idea. So I'll take yes. the hit for that one anyway, <laughs> but we just couldn't resist. <laughs> Thank you ladies for Thank joining you. us. We're, we are so grateful to have you with us. Uh, folks, this is uh, our surprise for you guys as we start now year seven of recording voice of reason radio. And if you're listening to this, because the ladies have loaded it up on a word fitly spoken, sorry, I've kind of co-opted the intro. Uh, but, <laughs> but I just want to thank you for joining us. We are so grateful to have you guys, especially as the Lord has been so gracious to allow us so many years doing this. We now get to spend the first part of our seventh year with two of our favorite people. So thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for well, having thank us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rich, I would get yelled at if I didn't say this. How are you doing this week, brother? Oh, better than I deserve, brother. And I'm so <laughs> thankful to have Michelle and Amy join us. Yes, absolutely. Not only for just this this episode, but the beginning of year seven. And I know um, I said this when we were recording the last episode, but I have been looking forward to this ever since the idea was proposed, was having Michelle and Amy on. And I would like to thank them so much. Oh. But um, I had a few more things I wanted to say, but I'll see if Chris has anything to finish before I jump into what I was going to share. <laughs> I'll just make this real quick, folks. Uh, we, we really appreciate you joining with us each and every week, as we always say. want to remind you, Voice of Reason Radio is part of, part of the Christian podcast community, and uh, you guys know how to go to that uh uh, website. Also remind you to check out slavetothekeng.com. And uh, we we want to respect our guests' time tonight. So, Rich, I'm going to turn this over to you before we get into the topic. Go ahead and say what you were going to say, brother. Well, it, it still pertains a bit to Michelle's birthday. But, <laughs> Michelle, I just want to thank you for using your birthday as a springboard to proclaim the gospel with that link that you shared today. And you did exactly what I try to encourage pastors and ministries and leaders in the church to do, and even those of us on social media that, you know, have a following. But I just wanted to point out that people will follow if some of us are willing to lead by example. And you asked for 50, 53 shares since it was your 53 birth, 53rd birthday. And the last time I glanced between Twitter and Facebook, it had been shared nearly 200 times, and I just wanted to <laughs> oh, wow. point out that, that that's proof. If we proclaim Christ in his biblical way of salvation, others will as well. And I just want to use this as a prime example that of all those people mentioned and, and people that are well-known on Facebook, good, solid brothers and sisters like all of you, that if we are actively proclaiming the biblical way of salvation, others will share it and others will take that example and go forth because I know— Sometimes I'm a little erratic about sharing it online, but I've noticed whenever I do share it, I see people either sharing what I posted or sharing one of their on, own. So I just wanted to kind of speak to that and use that as an example to everyone else. And I just wanted to say again, Michelle, thank you, because that made my day. That gave me so much encouragement today just by the fact mm-hmm. of that post by you and asking others to share it. And that's what encouraged me encourages me more than anything else, especially being online is when I see brothers and sisters proclaiming the biblical way of salvation and encouraging others to do that as well. Um, I'm well, going to, to be honest, short. 
Go ahead. To be honest, to be honest, Rich, you you actually kind of inspired that decision oh. uh, by me to to do it that way. To say, you know, please share the gospel this gospel um, presentation fifty three times in honor of my fifty third birthday. And we did have a lot of people share it, but I I had you in mind when I when I posted that because you've been such a great example to me and such a good exhortation to me about you know how you say share the gospel every day with at least one person and and so that has kind of woven its way into my my brain. And so I've, I've got that on my brain more now. So thanks to you. <laughs> Thank you, sister. And I appreciate that. I just pray that the Lord keeps instilling that example in everyone and it catches on because it seems like, you know, we go through cycles of every topic under the sun, except the one subject that we need to be speaking about the most. And that's evangelism and the actual biblical way of salvation, because I know all of you are like me and you come across some very hard gospel presentations, even if you ever find one on some of these websites. But sadly, more times than not, when you actually do find one, it's recite this prayer. And if you've accepted Christ in your heart, send us a message and welcome to the family of God. Right. (laughs) And sadly, that's the norm among many of the SBC leaders that actually have a gospel presentation and excuse me. And sadly, many of them don't at all whatsoever. And if they do, Mm -hmm. it's buried so deep. You have to dig and dig and dig to find it. But um, I I wanted to share this short snippet from um, a writing by A.W. Pink and the title of it, of his writing was salvation from the pleasure of sin. And when I finish this, I'd like to turn it back to Chris and then to you ladies and dig into this. But A.W. Pink wrote, we're not only born into this world with an evil nature, but with hearts that are thoroughly in love with sin. Sin is our native element. We are wedded to our lust and of ourselves are no more able to alter the bent of our corrupt nature. than we could change our skin color, or the leopard in spots. But what is impossible with man is impossible is possible to God, Luke eighteen twenty seven. And when he takes us in hand, this is where he begins by saving us from the pleasure or love of sin. This is the great miracle of grace for the Almighty stoops down and picks up a loathsome leather from the dunghill and makes him a new creature in Christ, so that the things he once loved he now hates, and the thing he want and the things he once hated he now loves. God commences is by saving us from ourselves. He does not save us from the penalty until he has delivered us from the love of sin. And in closing, throw yourself on the ground and beg for the mercy of Christ. Plead for the gift of salvation, repentance, faith, belief, and grace. Do it today because tomorrow is not guaranteed. Amen. Mm. Amen. 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 Brother, that's wonderful. And, uh, you know, again, um, Michelle, thank you for reminding all of us how, how that is our primary calling. We can do this and we can talk theology, but our primary calling is go out and make disciples. And we do that by proclaiming, you know, the way of salvation, uh, the gospel message. So, Rich, thank you for doing that. Really appreciate it. So, ladies, when we all started talking about doing this, uh, one of the topics that you know, we were talking about uh, discussing with you is something should be very near and dear to both your hearts. And it's, it's the, uh, the, the matter of the roles of women in the church and how you are able to teach and communicate the, the word of God to other women in the church to help them to learn, uh, to be diligent servants of the Lord. And yet there are some that would 
contend that what you two would do, do with with your podcast and 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 uh, with going to teaching women's Bible studies or at a conference, they even take a hyper view of that and say you guys are pushing the matter too far. So wanted to talk about that tonight because I didn't realize there are some people that are starting to take a very hyper. Well, Rich, I think you refer to it in pre-show as kind of a hyper-reformed view. It's it's as if they've taken certain aspects of what we, you know, when we're talking about biblical patriarchy or another term that is used, complementarianism, and they laser focus it and and try to make it even more restrictive than I, than I believe what Scripture uh, calls for. And it's even resulted in some online conversations that I've watched um, both Michelle and Amy get into. So I wanted to kind of address that tonight from two aspects because I I didn't realize that there are some people. I, we all know the egalitarian side is way off in a major ditch, but I I had not I had not seen this hyper patriarchal view uh, up until recently. And so obviously, and, and I think you guys have probably interacted that obviously more than I have. So uh, maybe start with, um, what, what, what do you, you guys are, what are you doing when you are commending women in the word of God? You're trying to teach them to be sound in their theology, uh, with your podcast. Talk about that a little bit, and then we'll narrow down into a couple of areas about these arguments that are being made. Okay. Who do you want to go first? <laughs> whoever's, whoever's at the mic first. It's a race. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, okay. Um, so you want to just know what we're doing when right. we're teaching women? Or? Yes. Okay. Well, we are just, um, we try to do what Titus 2, 3 through 5 tells us to do. And that says that older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Yeah. So we, you know, we try to abide by that and, and and we try to teach what is good. We try to give a word fitly spoken to our listeners that are um, that are tuning in to to hear a doctrinally sound biblical perspective, whether it's on a passage of scripture or it's, you know, a current event that's going on in evangelicalism or it's some kind of biblical topic. Um, it's really one of the things that we hear over and over again from our listeners and uh, and, I've, and from our readers, too, since we each write, is that um, it's so hard to find Christian women who have a following or who are putting out good biblical content that are doctrinally sound and don't just yeah. put out fluff and false doctrine. So that is what we strive to do when we're teaching women and, you know, Amy, maybe you have something to add to that. <laughs> well, I, yes, I, I love that. And I think that the whole purpose of what uh, we both do together and individually as women of God, we, we want to uh, bring the greatest glory, honor, and praise to our Lord, our, our God Almighty. And we can do that um, by bringing each other as women to the feet of Jesus to learn from Him through His Word. Um, you know, and, and our whole purpose of doing a word fitly spoken together is to 
encourage and equip sisters to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? And and how do we view scripture? And you know, how do we learn? How do we grow deeper in our relationship with our Lord and Savior? Uh, you know, how do we desire holiness? Because that's not something, Rich, that you mentioned earlier. That's not something that our flesh wants. Uh, how do we learn to pursue His righteousness? And so, uh, you know, and you know, kind of overarching is that we hope we can reach out to those who do not know Jesus with the hope of the full gospel message that their hearts may be softened and uh, receptive to His grace. And if if God could use us for His providence in that way, uh, Amen. <laughs> you know, that's that's what we're here for. So, amen. Um, yeah, we we just want to we just want to make sure that the Lord is glorified, and, and we pray for that before each uh, program that we do. That's awesome. And and I, I will say, I mean, having listened to the podcast, Michelle, I've I've been able to be present. Um, I stand off to the side and not in the room, so I don't get yelled at for being when the, <laughs> there when the women are being taught. Uh, but I've had the opportunity to spend time with you especially. And I, I right. love the heart that you guys have for this. I I agree with you. The It is one of those um, un, un, very unfortunate things that – you know, women have a role in the church, you know, and, and sadly egalitarian and, and progressivist and leftist mindsets often try to minimize that. They try to say, unless you're at the very, at the very top doing the pastor's work, you, you're somehow being minimized. You're not, you're not really contributing. But the work that I see women like yourselves do is so very, very important and so very appreciated by so many people because you are seeking to equip women biblically. And the sad truth is that so many, as Michelle, to your point, so many women's ministries are not seeking to truly equip women to walk in the Word, to be dedicated to serving Christ, putting Christ first rather than themselves. And sadly, there's a lot of men's ministries that are just as bad, if not even worse in that regard. But the truth of the matter is, is that what you guys are trying to do and what we appreciate is that you are trying to get away from the fluff. You're getting down to the meat of the word and you're encouraging more and more women to do exactly that, to to not be Mm -hmm. self-centered, not to be uh, me-centered, but rather Christ-centered. And so I've heard right. you know, the things that you guys have taught, seen what you have written. We've encouraged people to listen to your podcast from this show. So I know that's mm, what your heart you. is. And so I greatly, greatly appreciate that. And I know Rich feels the same way. So, uh, Michelle, to your point, at the uh, as you were explaining what you guys try to do, you brought up an important passage, uh, Titus 2, uh, verses 3 through 5. One of the reasons that prompted myself and Rich to kind of reach out to you guys to do this was – some of the online discussions that I mentioned earlier centered around this. There was a, a discussion that, you know, Michelle, you and I became part of, and I'm going to leave the person out of it because he's not the part of the discussion that's important, but what was brought up is, and it had to do with what women, uh, older women can be teaching younger women in the church. And that, that Matt, that particular passage came up that, Older women likewise are to be reverent in, uh, in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And I found it interesting. I saw it not only in a con- the conversation you and I were a part of, but also something that Amy was a part of later that I don't know if it was a splinter off from this or just it was, a gen- uh, you know, it just happened to be parallel <laughs> discussions. But um, it was this attitude that 
it laser focused down on only these things. It's like they created a little bubble and said, this, these three pass or these three verses right here, that's it. That's all you can teach. And I was like, wait a minute, where did this come from? I've not seen this before. So, and, and I, Michelle, I know you actually wrote about that just a couple days later talking about this particular passage. So let's, let's address that. When, when people are trying to say that you can only you older women in the church, this is your role. That's the only thing they, uh, that you can teach. What are they actually trying to say? Well, I think that, um, and let, let me first say, I, I don't think this is strictly a hyper-reformed position because I've been running into this for years. And mm-hmm. some of the people who throw this at us are not there. They would by no means consider themselves reformed. <laughs> They're probably anti-Calvinist. Um, but anyway, it's let me just start by saying it's just as easy to fall into a ditch on the left side of the road as it is the right side of the road. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just as easy to go, go too far towards antinomianism and, and egalitarianism and saying women could do whatever they want and girl power and all that. And but you can also fall into a ditch on the other side of the road saying women can't do anything. I mean, I, I've even and Amy's probably gotten this, too the the attitude that women can't even teach women and children hmm. anything right. you know not right. not anything um only only men can teach anything and um women you know if they have any questions about anything they can't even ask an older woman in the church or anything like that they have to ask their husbands so like i say the those are two ditches on the sides of the road and we need to stay in the middle where it's biblical and and Amen. balanced um uh, I'm not real sure where this whole attitude came from, but um, it is out there. It is kind of a minority position. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me say, too, I, I think that there are many in the reform camp that their intentions with saying this are good. They are they want to be sure that they are following Scripture mm-hmm. and yeah. they, you know, in, in most areas, they absolutely are. I mean, they're, these are people that we would probably align with almost 100 mm-hmm. percent. And uh, but I, I think we we just have to be careful about uh, being either too legalistic or too um, antinomian on this issue. Uh, and then remind me of, of the question again, because my mind is wandering a thousand different directions. <laughs> I have so many things I want to say. Uh, more specifically hey, to the brother. Po- uh, yeah, go ahead, Rich. I, I just would like to point out one thing in reference to that particular verse in Titus 2, 3. Um, depending on which Bible version you're reading, if you go back and look at the original King James Bible, that's rendered the aged woman likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, meaning mm-hmm. that they are teaching, the ladies are teaching the younger ladies about holiness. Mm-hmm. And right. I know I'm going to butcher this word, but in the original <laughs> Greek, that word behavior is referred to as katastema, and it's only found here in the New Testament in this manner, and it signifies an inner being, a sacred duty that is supposed to be the entire character of both the older and the younger women. And if you're not teaching holiness to the younger women, if you're only teaching them how to mind their household, you're not teaching Mm -hmm. the entirety of the Word of God. So in that context, you ladies are doing the biblical principle by teaching 
other ladies the entirety of the Bible and what verse, verses and what the rest of the Bible teaches. Um, and I have come across that too, that, you know, only a pastor should do this or that and all those other extremes that you spoke of. But we cannot deny any truth that the Bible lays out. Even if another verse seems to contradict it in some way, there are no contradictions in the Bible. All of God's word is truth. Thus, we need to obey all that God teaches. Even if this particular verses that we have a hard time understanding or reconciling, the fact is that God does not lie and his truth does not counteract, counter, I mean, contradict itself. Sometimes there may be something that we don't understand here that only once in heaven the true meaning will be revealed to us. But taking that Titus 2-3 and breaking it down, the command for older ladies to teach the other ladies to be holy, not only in what they're doing and reading and, and teaching the Word of God, but teaching them to live a life of holiness in all that they do. Because mm-hmm. as Christians, especially in today's age, we tend to think of ourselves as as Christians only on Sunday and not as Christians 24-7 the rest of the time. I just wanted to kind of point that out, that in that reference, older ladies are to exhibit a character of of complete reverence, complete holiness to the other ladies. Um, And it's not a matter, and like Chris was talking earlier, so, so many of these women studies and women, other women teachers out there they're teaching self-satisfaction instead of sister satisfaction, meaning that you are to be there for one another and to teach them all that the Bible commands as well as their husbands. And also, real quick, part of the reference in this, if you go back to Timothy, you know, it was also kind of a add-on to dealing with these widows mm-hmm. because a widow, of course, would not have a husband. Right. So these ladies would need someone to guide and teach them and and basically take them out of the hand and, and be an example for them. Um, and I know we don't have time to go into the whole cultural aspect of what was going on in that area during the time that this was commanded, but it was countercultural at the time, even for women to be teachers or lead other women. Um, and I, I know that's in a whole other ditch, but I just kind of wanted to make that point and that, um, and then Chris, you may lead to it later, but you asked me to remind you, and I'm sure I'm going to forget about the fact that even in these verses about you know, whichever side you're talking about, about taking a, a verse out of context. Yeah, right. And and that's so that's so true, um, um, Rich, because what it's um, what it gets translated as a lot of times with with some of these that I guess we're maybe calling. I, uh, hyper-reformed or hyper-complementarian or whatever. I don't, I don't know if there's a really good name for it that doesn't sound pejorative. <laughs> but what it comes out as is women can only teach other women cooking and cleaning and sewing and potty training and how to, you know, get their kids on a good sleep schedule and stuff like that. And those things are not bad. And we should be helping younger women to learn those skills. But that's not what the text Sets. Right. You know, the text the text says that we we are to um, to teach what is good and we are to teach them to love their husbands and their children and to submit to their husbands, to be kind, to be self-controlled, 
to be pure. These these are things of a theological nature. I don't know if maybe Amy, you want to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, it, one of the things that was going around on on social media um, was a quote, kind of one of those memes that you make up with just the quote from somebody, and it was a, a pastor by the name of Robert Dabney. Uh, he was a nineteenth century, late nineteenth century. Presbyterian minister, and uh, and the quote was this: It says, "The only teaching function ever hinted for the woman is Titus two four that the older women should teach these private domestic virtues to their younger sisters." Does not the apostle here assign the home as the proper sphere of the Christian woman, and that is her kingdom, and not the secular work- workplace? Or the church. Uh, again, that was from uh, Robert Dabney. And so that was going around. And I think that spurred off a whole discussion about, you know, kind of kind of the uh, other side of the pendulum as it swings back away from feminism. And we're sure seeing feminism just seep into uh, the church, especially in, in reformed circle these, these days. Um, we're seeing, you know, friends that we used to know who are just kind of going off into mm-hmm. uh, egalitarianism land. Uh, and and yeah. so I think the fear there is that, you know, we need to come back and, and not be feminists, right? So we're going to go this other direction and make sure that we are <clears throat> living to these holy standards. Uh, and so this spurred uh, kind of that, that that whole backlash of, well, well, we, uh, you know, w- women need to be teaching in the home, uh, not in the church, not even to each other. And we need to be teaching how to, how to keep the home, how to please our husbands, that kind of thing. And, you know, my comment to that, that was, uh, you know, any secularist can give cooking and cleaning tips, right. but Titus too actually exhorts us to help our sisters live godly lives and remind them who God is and what he has spoken and how in the world can we do that if if we don't teach them mm-hmm. theology, you know, biblical concepts right. as we're helping women and discipling them as we're following uh, the real Titus too, and so. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter where we're teaching. I think one of the comments was, you know, women um, should not be anywhere near a pulpit. Well, I, I get what that saying is, mm-hmm. is women should not be teaching men, right, in the church. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's not really about a pulpit or a lectern uh, or anything like that. It's about actually what God's Word is saying. What is the intent of God's Word? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, certainly, you know, not teaching men, not having authority over men. Those those are the two, you know, commands from scripture that, that we need to make sure we're following. Absolutely. That is so true. And and if I could just go back to to the Titus two passage again too to sort of reinforce that that point. And mm-hmm. folks may want to get their Bibles out and take a, a look at this while I'm uh, talking about it, but it's it's Titus two, three through five, if you had forgotten the reference. But what does it say? It says uh, they're not to be, you know, they're to be reverent behavior, not slanderers, slaves to much wine. So there's to set a good godly example. But then it says they are to teach. Now, that's a specific word that means, you know, it's either one-on-one discipleship, which is fine, or, you know, it can mean didactic teaching as well. And what does it say? They are to teach what is good yes. and so train the young women to yada, yada, yada. Okay, so there's, it's not saying 
only these things in verses four and five are good. It's that they are to teach what is good. And so, so that they may train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, working pure, uh, working at home and pure and kind and submissive to their own husbands. And to the point of what Amy was saying is that you do have to, you know, you have to teach what is good, God, God's good and holy word to teach them how to do these things. For example, loving their husbands is one of the things in verse four. Well, (laughs) If, if you've been around on social media for any length of time, you know that most evangelicals do not know what the word love means in a biblical sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're taking their cues from the world about what love means. Love means, you know, accepting uh, that someone is homosexual and telling them that they're, they're, they're just great for being homosexual. Uh-huh. Well, that is not love according to Scripture. And so how can you train a young woman who has a worldly idea of love what it means in the biblical sense to love her husband. If you do not teach her scripture um, saying what love is, um, so you just, you cannot do that. And so we've, we've got to teach, we've got to teach what the Bible says. If we don't teach what the Bible says about, for example, love, then all we're doing is teaching that young woman our personal opinion, and we're putting ourselves as her authority instead of putting Scripture Amen. as her authority. We're putting personal opinions and experiences as the authority and not Scripture as the authority. So we have got to bring Scripture into these things. And, you know, as as far as teach what is good, that's a really broad, um, really yeah. broad idea there. You know, what what is good? You know, if you think about that, let's let's really study into this verse. What is good? Well, what does scripture say is good? Yeah. Scripture says God is good. So God himself is good and, and goodness is his nature and character. So we teach what is good. We're teaching the nature and character of God. God is good. You know, there's a great verse in, in uh, Psalm, Psalm 119, 68 says uh, of God, God, you are good and you do good. So when we're teaching what is good, we're teaching that God does good. We're teaching about all of his good acts. And then, you know, what else is good? The gospel is good. The gospel, it, it's right there in the word gospel. It, gospel means good news. So, yes. we, you know, we can't, you know, if we're doing t- Titus 2 teaching, we've got to be doing it with someone who is a genuinely regenerated Christian because you cannot disciple somebody who's lost. Mm-hmm. So you have to start with the gospel, you know. Amen. So the gospel Amen. is good. That's also something that's good. God's commands are good. Nehemiah 9.13 says this. It says, uh, you came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. So we're teaching them when we're teaching what is good, we're teaching that God's commands are good. Mm-hmm. So, yes. you know, God's instructions, the things that he tells us to do and not to do, those things are good. So if we're teaching what is good in order to teach these women these other things in verses four and five, what are we teaching them? We're teaching them the nature and character of God, that God is good. We're teaching them the, the acts of God, that God does good. We're teaching them the gospel, the good news. And we're teaching disciples to obey God's good 
commands. And where do we learn about all those things? Well, we can't just give them our opinion on those things. We have to go to Scripture. Right. And I, I don't think there's anything in the Bible that doesn't fall under one of those four categories of God is good, God does good, the good news of the gospel, or God's good commands. So we've got to look at the scripture and really figure out what it means. It doesn't, you know, Titus 2, 3 through 5, as great as those things are of sewing and cooking and cleaning and all of those other things, those are good, but they're not Mm -hmm. the only good things and they're not the most important good things. Amen. Amen. I'd like just one, one thing, Rich. Just to right. uh, something you had said when we were talking in pre-show, um, Michelle, you had brought something up I thought was very important, that the context of this passage comes under verse 1, which is Titus being told, for as for him, to teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then from there, he, yes. is, he is to teach the older men and the older women to instruct the younger men and the younger women in accordance with with that sound doctrine. So when it comes mm-hmm. to the issue of older women, you, 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 you be reverent in behavior. You teach them what is good. You train them to love their husbands. You, uh, to be, to be self-controlled and to be pure working at home. All of that is to be in alignment with sound doctrine, which was Titus's chief, right. you know, instruction to give. And then so make sure that the older women and the older men are teaching in accordance with the sound doctrine, training up these younger men and younger women. So the idea that, oh, it's only cooking, cleaning, and, and maintaining the home doesn't square contextually with what Titus is being told to train these people up to do. Furthermore, the thing that I find very interesting is that if a person is saying that the only role that the, the only things that the women, older women can teach is essentially kind of the home homekeeping and taking care of the family, then do we then extend that to what the older men are to do in verse six when they're teaching the young men, younger men, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and uh, and in your teaching, show integrity. If he is expecting the younger women to be narrowly confined in as far as what the they can teach the younger women, then why are we not saying this for the older men, I think it's it, it's a. I, I believe you're absolutely correct in that it is a knee jerk reaction to try and avoid the appearance of any kind of egalitarianism. That if we just confine it to this, we can't possibly mess up. Okay, I get that, mm-hmm. but then you're going to have to play that same standard to what he tells the older men to do, as far as training up the younger men. And I it, that simply isn't that now becomes a double standard because we're not doing that with the men in the church. We're not saying only the pastor teaches doctrine; everybody else be quiet. We're saying older men, you train up these younger men, and there's an uh, there's an expectation that theological exposition is going into that. In the same manner, if we're going to be contextually consistent, we have to then believe that the expectation of the older women is to be teaching in accordance with sound doctrine that has come down from the pastor. So mm-hmm. I, I I absolutely agree with you on this. That there there it is. I I, I agree with uh, when you were saying that. I think it's that desire to not appear to be or allow for a crack in the door, so to speak, to allow you know, egalitarian teaching and false teaching to slip in. 
But you can get so narrowly defined, you can become, as what Jesus said to the the, uh, the Pharisees, you're straining out gnats and swallowing camels. You're, you're, yeah. avo- you're avoiding what God has commanded us to do so that you could possibly not uh, you know, you could not, you know, not sin in this other area. Well, if you d- deny women the ability to do what they are commanded to do, which is to train up the younger women in a biblical manner, then you are actually causing yourself and others to not be obedient to the word of God. So I, I absolutely agree with you. And Rich, I'm sorry, I, I know I cut you off. Go ahead, brother. That's okay. Um, I just would like to point out that beginning in verse three and Starting out in verse six, in those in three verses, the word "likewise" is used twice. Mm, yes, it's linking those commands from young men, older men, to the younger women and the younger men. It's not a list. Okay, you do this, you do this, you do this. It's likewise, meaning this is the conduct of those within the body of Christ: husbands and wives, older women, younger women, older men, younger men. But the thing that to me is often miss more than anything else when it comes to these verses is why what is the point mm-hmm. of of Paul's writing in all of this and it's told and revealed at the end of verse 5 that the word of god may not be reviled meaning that the word of god may not be blasphemed among the gentiles because of our conduct and the way that we act we are to be glorifying Christ in all that we do say and in all the ways that we act and Paul even goes on to basically reiterate that later on in this chapter i think it's down in verse 8 and he says in sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us that is the why when it comes to this entire chapter is to glorify Christ and so that the word of God may not be reviled by those outside of the church, but also those inside of the church. What do you, mm. what do all of you think? I agree. Yeah. That's the, you, you have to pull back and look at the whole context. You can't just look at three little words, uh, words, uh, which I think some are doing, um, you know, then, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. Uh, I, I think the three little words are busy at home. <laughs> you know, they, they fo- hyper focus on that. Um, and nowhere in this verse does it say anything about, you know, cleaning tips or anything like that. Not that I'm minimizing that at all, but like you pointed out, uh, you, you have have to go from the very beginning and, and look at this this chapter in context. You know, this is what is in accord with sound doctrine, and that's kind of the whole point. Amen. Yeah, and also, you know, if you look at the structure of chapter two, and and this is a pastoral epistle as we were talking about earlier, so it's it's instructions to pastors. It's not just you know everything has to be everything that's taught has to be sound doctrine. It starts off by speaking to the pastor. And in verse one, as for you, Titus, it doesn't say Titus, but that's who he's talking to, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then all of the verses after that are like a, um, it's like a delegation of of some parts of of teaching and and, uh, other responsibilities from the pastor down to the older men, down to the older women to train the younger women and the older men train the younger men and, and, and all of that. It's like it's everything in chapter two is flowing out of verse one where the pastor is to teach sound doctrine and everyone else 
in the church, the church members, are to come under that umbrella of the sound doctrine that the, the pastor is teaching and carry out their delegated responsibilities as an outflow of his his ministry and and the sound doctrine that he's teaching. So yes. really, if you go look at the structure, it's very interesting to look at it that way. Amen. Amen. So with all that in mind, then there's the second part of this. And this, in my mind, is something that I, I found a very interesting part of that online discussion that we got into, which was the methodology in which this um, teaching the younger women occurs. One of the complaints that came up when when you and I were in that one particular thread, Michelle, was that this individual saw picture of you at a conference, you're speaking to women. It looked like in that particular instance, they had set you up in the probably the main uh, sanctuary area. And mm-hmm. the person's immediate reaction is, look, you're, you're violating scripture, you're, you're preaching, basically. And yes. um, it, it, despite trying to assure this individual that this was an older woman teaching younger women, that this is consistent with what Titus, uh, you know, uh, uh, the instructions in Titus are, it was the actual methodology that it was a teaching instructional environment, be it a classroom, be it behind a pulpit, uh, be it in a conference or something to that effect. This individual was very insistent that basically this becomes a violation of First uh, Timothy 2, uh, 2.12, that you are now exercising authority within the church. Um, I find that interesting when you when you look at the context of this. You know, Paul is writing to Timothy saying, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Um, rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. His insistence really had a lot to do with the environment, with the methodology. And I, I, I was wanted to speak to that because Titus doesn't give us a, any instructions for the manner in which this instruction takes place. Right. And the, and the one prohibition that we see is that it is women cannot take up the role of having the authority over the entire church, men and women together, speaking to men authoritatively as an elder, as a pastor, as a preacher. Rather, that that is a role that God has reserved for select men. I keep trying to have, you know, remind mm-hmm. people of that select yes. men, um, not <laughs> right. all men, biblically qualified, biblically men. qualified men. Uh, and yet this individual, and I, I seem to be echoed by others seem to think that you're in violation of scripture. So I, that's something I'd like to you guys talk about is when you see this issue being brought up regarding the methodology and the environment in which you can instruct, what what are you responding to that? What are you telling these people? Amy, you want to take that one first? Sure. You know, and, and it was quite concerning because it, it really took that, that image of you, Michelle, and, and I, I believe this person actually on, you know, in, in front of the world called you a false teacher, mm-hmm. you know, or something to that effect. And, and it was not true at all. And so there was a, a major misrepresentation there. And I, I think the only way that you can reasonably uh, talk to people who are so convinced is, is just with scripture. Uh, you're not going to uh, be 
able to change their minds or anything like that, but but you can speak truth. And so uh, that's what we attempted to do. Uh, and, and also you can show kind of the, the legalistic part of this uh, just because you're standing in the front of a room at, with a, a, you know, you, the pulpit, uh, you know, the lectern holding your notes. I mean, what are you going to stand there without a lectern? You know, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter the room or the uh, the method by which you place your Bible and your notes. It's, are you following scripture? Are you, are you teaching men? No, you weren't teaching men. Um, are you having a position of authority over men or in a church setting? No, you, you were not. You were simply, this, this wasn't the ecclesia, the gathering of the saints on the Sunday morning to be taught by a pastor. This, this was a separate session for women. This was a women's teaching time. Um, it wasn't on a Sunday. It wasn't uh, anything like that. It was at a conference for women. And so, you know, it, it has nothing to do with whether the pulpit, whether you're standing in front of it or cleaning it or whatever it was. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, you can kind of see, you know, if, if you take it to its logical extremes, it, it becomes kind of a laughable uh, legalistic thing. So, uh, so really, though, um, and you don't want to be mean or anything, but you kind of want to gently guide people back to, listen, what is the intent of Scripture? What What is God saying in these verses? And, and so, I really appreciated, Michelle, you tackling again uh, this verse in Titus that, that, you know, what are women's roles? Well, uh, is it okay to uh, speak to other women? Is it okay to teach women? Is, is it okay to have a blog or a, a podcast? You know, and so we, we kind of have to get back to the basics of what is the biblical prohibition about women teaching and in what environment and to whom? Right. And, gotcha. and I'll, I'll also add that, um, you know, Chris, you're talking about the the environment or the method of teaching. And like I said a, a little bit, I touched on it a little bit a few minutes ago uh, in Titus 2, um, 2, 3, I guess it is, where it says they are to, they are to teach what is good. And I said, yeah. that can be one-on-one discipleship, or it can be, uh, you know, one-on-three or five or 10, or, or, you know, even speaking to a hundred people. It, it doesn't specify it has to be one-on-one. It doesn't yeah. specify where you can do it or, or any, it just says teach. Okay. And so when we, who, who do we see teaching in scripture? We see Jesus teaching. We see the apostles teaching. We see the, uh, the temple officials teaching. We, you know, we see lots of people teaching and, and they're doing it in various environments. They're doing it in various ways with various, uh, sizes of audiences. So there's there's not a it just says teach there there's not really any restriction as far as if you're only teaching women there's not really any restriction on the size of your audience or or where you where you can do it either and i'll just say when i go to speak at a conference um the um, i am very careful to be under that pastor's authority i do not accept any speaking engagements unless the pastor approves of me and mm-hmm. all everything has gone through him uh, I when I get a chance, to, when the pastor is the one who's setting up the conference, and that that happens very often that it's the pastor who will contact me. So, you know, <laughs> the pastor is the one that's responsible for it there. Um, but I will very often ask what he sees that uh, that the women of his church need to be taught, you know, and, and, and go with what he 
he thinks that is important for the women of his church. Because when I go to a church and speak to women, what I want to do is undergird whatever he is teaching and and support whatever he is teaching. And I only go to doctrinally sound churches, so that's easy to do. Uh, But to me, it is very important that what I am doing is coming alongside and and just being like sort of a, a, a cheerleader to what he's doing and supporting what he's doing and encouraging the women of that church to look to their pastor for leadership, to be in church and sit under his teaching and, and learn and become informed of what scripture says and, and things of that nature. And as far as standing at a pulpit, I, I stand where they tell me to stand. You know? <laughs> so I'm under the authority of whoever uh-huh. is organized this thing. And a lot of these places that I go are very small churches. They don't have like uh, meeting rooms that are separate from the sanctuary or whatever. The only place they have that's large enough is their sanctuary. And the only place they have for me to stand is behind the pulpit because it's so big, they can't move it out of the way and just give me a music stand instead or something like that, (laughs) you know. But I I think sometimes the problem comes in is that we use the word pulpit both literally, you know, to refer to that specific piece of furniture, and then mm-hmm. we use it figuratively as well. Like the other day, I said something on Twitter about a pastor should never give his pulpit over to a politician to speak. Because the the pulpit is the place where the man of God preaches the word of God to the people of God. Now, in that sense, I'm using the word pulpit metaphorically to Mm -hmm. speak of the the mantle of authority that and responsibility that a pastor bears for leading his congregation. So I think sometimes what happens with these, you know, people objecting to me standing behind a piece of furniture is that they are confusing the literal and the metaphorical. When we, we need to separate those out and not conflate those. There's standing behind a piece of furniture, and then there is stepping into the role of authority and responsibility uh, and leadership of a pastor. It's okay for me to do the former. It's not okay for me to do the latter. So uh, I just would like to point out some of these people think there's another command in there that states women shall not teach from a pulpit, not realizing when these letters by Paul were written to Timothy and to Titus <laughs> and to the other churches, most likely they did not have a pulpit. To begin with. <laughs> That's Amen. right. Because if you, look well. at, if, you, if you look at the Jewish tradition, when it came to teaching in the synagogues, people were sitting on the floor. Mm-hmm. They didn't have chairs. They yeah. didn't have tables. And when someone wanted to say something, they stood up and either read from scripture or they said what, they felt needed to be said. There weren't any pulpits as we know them today. They're, they may have had right. something there or somewhere that they placed the scripture. But in today's world, sadly, more times than not, people regard the pulpit more holy than they do the word of God. Yeah, yeah, Amen. yeah. They and, do. It's and, like it's oh. like that verse that uh, I forget. I think Jesus said it. Something about. You um, that you regard the altar as more, mm-hmm. or that you regard the sacrifice that's on the altar as more important than the altar itself, or yeah. something like that. So it's yes. kind of like that. Yeah, the the rebuke of the Pharisees. Yeah, he says, which is yeah. more, which is which is uh, uh, more holy, the the sacrifice or the altar that makes the sacrifice holy. And and I right, think that's that. that <laughs> and that's I think one of the the, the uh, very interesting aspects of the how this these discussions played out clearly 
in First Tim- uh, Timothy, Paul's instruction with regard to the conduct of women in the church, he was addressing an, an issue where you obviously had women who were trying to speak up and trying to have authority, and he tells them that he doesn't permit it. But why, why does he say that? Because women should adorn themselves uh, in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold and, or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. So you're talking about in the environment of the church, You, when you as a woman sit under the authority of the pastor and you are being taught by the pastor and you are your your behavior, how you present yourself, you, uh, your, your professing, uh, your profession of faith through your good works is all a submissiveness to the Lord. And so he's then saying, you don't, you know, get to step out of that role in that environment, in that leadership role in the church, because that leadership role is a reflection of Christ's authority over his church. And so when we step out of line, if I, if I'm not qualified to be a pastor, if I try to step up, I violate that. If, if a woman steps up and tries right. to take that role, she violates that. And what we've done is put ourselves in a position we have no right to take. And, but that is addressing specifically authority within the, uh, the context of the body of Christ, the entire church. This is the same Paul who then to Titus gives you ladies instructions about how you are to teach the younger women in the church. So this idea that you cannot have any kind of teaching instruction, be it a classroom, be it a conference, uh, or some uh, something of that nature, but it's only this one-on-one. You teach the 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 uh, the neighbor lady next door who happens to go to your church how to raise her kids is not consistent with what we see in these two passages because it's taking beyond what scripture has has taught beyond the instructions and the environment that is being described and it's hyper focusing it down as we said earlier to this perspective that if we just narrow it to this if this is the tiniest parameters we can allow for then we're not going to violate but then we go to the other side of the ditch as you said earlier Michelle we've now gone into created a almost legalistic environment where you said if you do it anything outside of what we have defined these added traditions that we've put on then that's where you actually do step into the pharisaical role you are not a Christian you are a false teacher if you go outside of this little bubble and I think that's one of the big problems is we can be so concerned about getting the minutia absolutely right. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned with the details. We absolutely should. But we can so hyper-focused that we now exclude what God permits for women to do and that the calling that he's given them within the church to build up the body of Christ within the women and children in the church and give them um, godly instruction, God, uh, godly mentorship, godly discipleship under the auspices of the authority of the church. And Michelle, you said something very interesting because you said you're not doing this without any pastoral authority. And I think that's extremely important. The pastors must be involved. I've heard you and Amy multiple times talking about 
uh, making sure the pastors are involved in any women's Bible study, that any materials yeah. not brought into the church need to be approved by the pastor, that it why why are we going to women to have us teach? Why don't we have the pastor involved in the Bible study? I have heard you guys say this multiple times. You have encouraged women to be under the authority of the elders and pastors of the church and have decried the idea like vehemently decried the idea that only a woman can teach a woman's Bible study. Right. So, so for someone to ignore the entirety of what you have taught and then look at a picture and say, you're a false teacher because you did it in this environment and you're not narrowly applying to Titus three through two, three through five this way. I, it, to me, that is just, it is almost like someone who discovers I don't know, doctrines of grace for the first time, and they become the most dangerous cage stager you've ever seen. <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, to narrowly apply it that way and, uh, and deny our sisters in Christ the ability to do what is godly and right and confined to Scripture. And I know that if <laughs> certain individuals hear the way I say this, they're going to see, 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 you're an egalitarian. We are denying the ability for women to, to do what God's word actually allows them to do. That is foolish. That is anti, it's anti-scriptural. And that is really paving the way for a sinful, a sinful misapplication of scripture because we are now denying the very words God has spoken. So I think we have to, we, yes, we want to be careful. We want to be cautious about not taking it too far, not going, well, if we're allowed this, then that, you know, you, you know, as you say, Michelle, you don't go to these churches unless the pastor uh, says so. Well, then you've got Beth Moore who says, well, I don't preach on a Sunday unless a pastor lets me. I, d- I don't care if the pastor lets you, Beth. You don't still, you don't, don't get to do it. You're still, you're still confined. Yeah. So we have to keep those parameters there, but to then narrow them down arbitrarily. Well, honestly, that's what, you know, that's what, uh, uh, Christ condemned the Pharisees for that by their, that by their traditions, they nullified the word of God. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I know we're, we're coming up on that hour mark. We did want to respect your time. So I just, as we close this up, I want to uh, give you gals one more, sh- uh, 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 just one more shot to, to say what you want with regard to this topic. Well, the only, the only thing I would add right now, I guess, is that, we do we do need to be careful not to make a law where there is no law because that is what the the Pharisees were guilty of and and that is legalistic but i also want to we've got to be very careful with our um with our brothers and sisters well with our brothers who are pastors and elders that you know they may they may feel like for whatever reason, they want to have all of the formal teaching positions at their church filled by men. Like the the men, all the Sunday school teaches Sunday school classes are going to be taught by men. Uh, of course, all of the preaching is going to be done by men, and it's not that they're teaching that that any woman who speaks up is a false teacher or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just that they feel very important that it's very important to. Um, to have men in those roles, not just because, you know, they're erring on the side of caution about women teaching, but because they are trying to reinforce the idea of the the hierarchy that mm-hmm. God has set up with male headship. And so, you know, I think that can go too far in some cases, but I think, you know, we have to be careful that we're not uh, coming down on a church that where the pastor really is trying to 
obey scripture and trying to um, lead his church the very best way that he sees fit. He's doing it prayerfully. He's being careful. Uh, And so I just would say that we all need to extend a little grace to each other and, and maybe not, um, you know, like this, this guy that you were talking about on, on Twitter, Mm -hmm. you know, not go off the deep end and (laughs) call people false (laughs) teachers, but also recognize that, I mean, for doing that, but, but also recognize that there, this is a complicated issue Mm -hmm. and there are very well-intentioned, godly, doctrinally sound pastors who, you know, they may just decide that they, for their church right then, the best thing is to have all men in the formal teaching positions. I don't have any problem with that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't teach any right now. I'm not teaching anything at my church. Uh, as far as a formal Bible study or anything like that. And I am totally okay with that. (laughs) So um, I think we just need to be careful. We need to love each other and we need to extend some grace when that's possible. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of where I was going to Michelle a little bit with uh, you talking about the grace of God, because he is still sanctifying us and he will be until our last breaths. And we we do need to be uh, careful, but yes, we need to be uh, understanding of, of uh, one another on our journeys here with God. Uh, you know, He begins a sanctifying work in our lives. He's leading all of us to holiness and righteous living. And uh, and we just need to be patient with one another, um, you know, because we, we've got an eternal life with God waiting for us. And uh, we're, we're all going to be uh, worshiping around the throne and uh, together. Uh, so we don't want to be causing uh, unholy divisions uh, within the church or, or among brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, that that's my encouragement today is, is just to you know, uh, have that in mind, be graceful, extra grace uh, with people as as we deal with these, uh, you know, interpretations of Scripture. Amen. Amen. Rich, before we uh, let the ladies go, any last words from you? Well, I'd like to point out, and um, I'm not sure how well Amy's acquainted, but I know listening to Michelle, I'm in an area that is, the churches are small churches, and she mentioned that she's most of the churches she speak at are mm-hmm. small churches. My experience with small churches with a typical Sunday morning congregation of 40 or 50 people that do Bible studies like in the morning or in the evening or other times during the week, the problem for most of these small churches is finding men willing to step up in a mm-hmm. teaching position. Yeah. And sadly, more times than not, it's the women that are willing to volunteer to take on these responsibilities because, and I know somebody somewhere is going to be screaming at this, but you should never have a woman teaching, you know, college age young men, because I know in my area, they have like young, young people studies and, and, you know, whatever different titles they put on it, but you have 18, 19, 20 year old young men in there with young women being taught by, either a woman or a 28, 29-year-old woman for young people's studies or college campus studies or whatever, simply because there's not men in that church willing to step up into Mm -hmm. those positions. And sometimes we need to step back and realize, especially when we're addressing and looking at a small church, that that woman teaching these young men 
may be the only person that that church had willing to step up and do that. And that's a condemnation against the men in that church and not Mm -hmm. necessarily a slam against the women since they're the only ones willing to step into that role. And I think that's something we need to take into consideration sometime. And those men need to man up and Christ up and be willing to take on those teaching responsibilities and those leadership roles. But sadly, especially among the SBC today, we don't have that. We have men that are willing to just sit back, keep their mouths shut, show up for church, and then go home and watch football. And that's mm-hmm. not what Christ mm-hmm. calls us Amen. to do. But in closing, that's right. I'd like to say. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, w- I was just going to so agree with you that the men need to step up, but the women need to sit down. Okay. Ooh. The women, you know, and I've, t- I've had this scenario presented to me before. Well, what are we going to do? No man will step up. You need to sit down and refuse to do this because it's wrong. Yeah. The Bible says it's wrong. And you how is it going to help men to step up if you're also willing to step in where they're where they're supposed to step up? Amen. You know? Amen. Sit down and if nothing yes. else, that perhaps that will force them to step up. So Amen. I'm yeah, sorry, I'm just I a little cranked about I that. Can, <laughs> I com- I'm, I completely agree. And sadly, I've not received the best feedback when I have told some pastors that if that's the case, they'd be better off not having that teaching at all versus exactly woman step up in that role. But, um, you know, there are situations that do vary, but, you know, and a lot of people have different opinions as to what the Bible deems a young man. My personal opinion is go back to the Jewish tradition that when, a young man turned 13, he was no longer a child. He was considered a young man. So taking mm-hmm. that concept, once young men hit the age of 13 and above, they need to be taught by other men and not by women mm-hmm. or by a bunch of 20-year-old knuckleheads that are still wet behind the ears yeah. and don't know <laughs> up and down to begin with. Amen. Amen. Well, first and foremost, I want to say, again, thank you, ladies, for coming on. Uh, a, a wonderful discussion. I, I think this is very valuable because I think both of you hit it right on the head. This is one of those types of discussions that it can be get really easy, especially with social media. Uh, and I'll be honest, I had zero patience for the individual who called Michelle Leslie. Uh, I told him to take a walk. So <laughs> that's, you know, there, there, are, there are basically uh, some things that I'm not going to have patience for. And that was one of them. Yeah. But uh, the reality is, is when we get into these discussions, we do have to have some patience. We do have to be willing to show some grace to one another. Um, if you got somebody who's going to be just hard headed and uh, wants to get into an argument, hey, social media is this has these great little buttons called block and mute. You don't need to listen to people like that. Amen. Uh, I, I love Rich's <laughs> statement. You know, you don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. That's but right. uh, but the reality is, as we are discussing them, and as you are encountering people who are trying to find the best ways to apply this, yes, there's risks. Yes, there's dangers of ditches that we can get into, and we should be discussing them. But we absolutely need to apply grace. We absolutely mm-hmm. need to be willing to say, hey, I don't know if I fully agree with you on that application, but I can see what you're going for. And so here's my two cents and then leave it at that. We don't have to win every single theological fight. We can get into these discussions and wrangle them through and then let the Lord do what he's going to do in, in a person's heart and mind. We don't have, we are not their Holy Spirit. We are not their conscience. We can just show 
show grace and work through those discussions. This is one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on because social media doesn't always give us that opportunity. Amy, when you were talking about the, the, you know, the, the, the cooking and cleaning and you said any seculars can tell you to do that. Unfortunately, the response was immediate, like, you know, hackles raised, you know, yeah. and, and it was, it's a, an unfortunate side effect of social media. And while I think it's great that Elon Musk is buying Twitter and free speech will be a little bit more available, um, <laughs> that, that, that maybe. is uh, maybe, yeah, if the, if the government doesn't try to get involved. Um, but, uh, as somebody else who was, I was watching a video today said, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean the discussions are going to get better. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have people more willing to listen. So we're going to have to be patient and using platforms like this where we can talk these issues out or sitting down with people face to face and wrangling mm-hmm. through these yeah. issues is something where we're going to have to sh- be willing to invest time. And so I, that's why I wanted you guys on. I absolutely thought you guys would uh, you know, be able to explain your positions, which stuff, stuff that Rich and I 100% agree with. But I wanted you guys to be able to put that out there so people could actually hear what you're trying to say. So I really appreciate your time. Really wait, uh, appreciate you coming on. Michelle, happy birthday. Thanks again for putting yeah, up. Thank, thank you. Thank you for putting up with our horrible singing. Um, <laughs> it was my pleasure. It wasn't. It wasn't even in sync. No, we were like, way, no, way, way wasn't. off. Not, not in tune, not in harmony, not even close to being not, in sync. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Michelle's ears are probably bleeding. So, really. yeah, most it of the listeners. Joyful noise. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Well, let, let's just hope nobody was driving when, when this. When, no, let's just hope nobody's driving when that happened because there might be a few wrecks on the road. Um, okay. So, by the way, folks, please, please, please check out Michelle and uh, uh, Michelle and Amy's podcast, A Word Fitly Spoken. You can go to their website. A word fitly spoken dot life. I will put that in the show notes. Um, on that webpage is both of their individual uh, websites and, and where they do their blogs and articles. Please check that out. Follow them on social media. F- uh, follow their, their podcast. Share it with others. Ladies, you will be blessed by what you're listening to and you will bless others mm-hmm. if you, in fact, uh, if you are, in fact, wanting to make sure that you're sharing godly material, you'll get it from these two. And by the way, if you're a pastor, I know there's some of you that do listen, which still scares the daylights out of me. Uh, I can't believe pastors <laughs> listen to me. Um, or Rich, I can understand. Me, not so much. Uh, but but if you are a pastor and you're looking for someone to come speak to the ladies of your church, Michelle and Amy, you could get a hold of them. I'm telling you, they are available. They will, they will come and they will, and they will speak and they will bless your congregation, the ladies in your church. I should say that more specifically because congregation means everybody. Um, so <laughs> the ladies in your church. So it, uh, just want to share that with you, ladies. Again, thank you so much for this time. It has been such a blessing. So. Well, thank you for thank having you. us. We really appreciate it. And oh, y'all are very yeah. sweet. <laughs> very much so. Thanks, Chris and Rich. Well, we, we, we appreciate you guys so much. All right, folks. We, we promise you we try to keep it in an hour, and I still broke that. Uh, it's an hour, been an hour and ten, but thank you for being with us. Thank you for spending time with us this week. Uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you guys again next week. By the way, in just a couple days, Rich and I are going to be on Justin Bullington's podcast, uh, the Theo Bros podcast, so we will make sure to share that with you guys as well when that comes out, and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next time. God bless, good night, and we'll see you then. Well, we hope you enjoyed that crossover episode. 
The links to Voice of Reason are in our show notes today, so head on over to our website, awordfitlyspoken.life. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, what are you waiting for? Get all of our episodes delivered to you on demand from wherever you get your audio. And until next time, stay on that narrow path, stay out of the ditches, and walk worthy. Walk worthy.